In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The third Sunday in Advent focuses on John the Baptist. In the Gospel, Jesus says that John fulfilled the prophecy of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1, that God would send a messenger to prepare the way for the Messiah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 and 10, through 10 captures the essence of the message of John. John told the people who came to him, Bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father, for God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. There are two distinct themes here. First, if we are sorry for our sins and for our unfaithfulness, we will show this by beginning to behave in a new way. Second, our ethnic or religious lineage, being lifelong churchgoers, will not get us into the kingdom of God. We have to do the things that God tells us to do. John the Baptist is often associated with a group called the Essenes. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, the Essenes were one of three main religious groups in Israel, along with the Sadducees and Pharisees. They're often associated with a site in Israel called Qumran, which was a location of a kind of monastic community. They were an anti-temple movement. Their ascetical lifestyle and desert location was a protest against the compromise that characterized temple-centered Judaism. There is no real evidence that John the Baptist was an Essene, but he was certainly Essene-like. His opposition to official religion is indicated in Matthew 3, which tells us that when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The prophetic message of John represents a timeless, essential element of the faith. A certain tension has always existed between the right form of religious practice and the right disposition of heart that makes that form acceptable to God, and between formal worship in the community and the behavior that should flow or result from that worship in daily life. John, as the last of the Old Covenant prophets, echoes the message of Isaiah, through whom God said to Old Testament Israel, in Isaiah 11, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 11 through 17, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meaning. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doing from before my eyes. 
cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. John's ministry culminated in the baptism of Jesus, who did not stay in the wilderness with John, but who fully participated in the official rituals of Judaism. Jesus was the perfect combination of inward intent and outward form. And the ultimate expression of this is the cross, the perfect sacrifice freely offered. In the life of prayer, our hearts are continually purified by the Holy Spirit so that we are becoming what the Epistle to the Romans and our liturgy refer to as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And the ideal is that every action of worship and every act of service to others is motivated by perfect love for God and perfect love for neighbor. In reality, we are not there yet. However, and paradoxically, the awareness that we are not there yet marks the essence of our ongoing repentance. As Father Joe Miller once said to me after the liturgy, I guess we'll just keep practicing until we get it right. Today's gospel gives us a different picture of John the Baptist. It shows us a way in which John the Baptist had to also, in a sense, repent. The word repent in Greek means literally to have a change of mind, to begin to look at things in a new way. The gospel reveals that John had some questions. He was sitting in prison because he had opposed the adultery of Herod Antipas. He sent messengers to Jesus to confirm that he is indeed the Messiah. John did not expect things to turn out exactly like this. It's very likely that John expected judgment on evil to take place pretty quickly. It's likely that John expected something like a cabinet-level post in the new administration, not a bench in the palace dungeon of the old administration. Wasn't the axe laid to the root of the trees? Weren't the non-fruit-bearing trees going to be cut down and thrown into the fire? Consequently, John sent messengers to Jesus to ask him, are you really the Messiah, the one who is coming? And this should comfort us in our own doubts. If the last and great prophet of the Old Covenant, who saw the Spirit descend upon Jesus in his baptism, had a few questions, then maybe it is okay for us to wonder what's going on once in a while. The response of Jesus to John was direct and challenging. Go and tell John the things you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That is, blessed is he who does not give up his faith when I do not act as expected. 
when some measure of suffering comes before the experience of, of glory and the full execution of justice. And of course, John was not offended, <clears throat> even though he had a few questions and may have been a bit impatient, like most prophets and like most of us. John died faithfully and heroically as a martyr. Most of us experience a similar pattern in our life of faith. Jesus typically comes into our lives through some positive experience of his presence. We have some experience of conversion or some particular answer to prayer, or perhaps we just receive some kind of insight into truth that is moving and palpable. Then comes the inevitable disappointment. We expected certain results, and things didn't happen exactly as we expected. We expected to reign with Christ in his kingdom, but we ended up sitting in some place of captivity and disappointment. We asked the same kind of question John asked. Are you really the guy? And Jesus gives us the same response. He points to the biblical witness and the things we've experienced in our lives. And then he says to us, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The ministry of John the Baptist endures in the church in the continual call to repent. Our repentance is not static. We grow in our repentance as we grow in our faith. Our growing repentance breaks down our resistance to God and enables Jesus to come into our lives in new ways and do new things. Our repentance begins with the awareness and confession of obvious sins. Our repentance develops as we become increasingly aware of our defects in motive, the ways that our outward actions of worship and giving are not matched by perfect agape in our hearts. Our repentance come to its, comes to its perfect fruition when we embrace our share of the cross, along with John and the glorious martyrs of the church. When we continue to do God's will despite disappointment and pain because we are committed to following Jesus. Because we know that our momentary light affliction is producing a weighty eternal glory. As Jesus said to John, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.